The Ringer Gambling Feed is your one-stop shop for all things betting throughout the NFL season from week one all the way through Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. We have you covered every which way. We got our favorite futures. We got props. We'll discuss the lines. And of course, we'll throw in a few parlays. That's a given. So whether you're a sharp or a square better, we'll be breaking it down in terms hopefully everybody can understand and we'll try to win some money along the way. So be sure to subscribe to the Ringer Gambling Feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Extra Point Taking Shield. Kapadia here, joined by Ben Solak to talk about week 13 in the NFL. Storylines, locks, props, predictions, our contest. And of course, Benjamin, we got a, a great Thursday night game we'll lead the show off with. Woo! Cowboys hang on to take down the Seattle Seahawks. How are we feeling today? That wasn't a punt. Not a punt to be seen, <laughs> man. We had. Missed field goals, the turnovers on downs, and an interception, and touchdowns and field goals. We did not have a punt. Uh, 10 out of 10 Thursday Night Football, great work. I doubt it. It took me to like halfway through the third quarter to realize for sure the game was good and also happening on Thursday night. I hit up the ringer NFL Slack. I was like, yo, are you guys seeing this? This is great. It's a good game on Thursday night. I think that it's a frustrating loss for the Seahawks because my number one takeaway is like, yeah, the, the, the kind of the doom and gloom around this team has been over-exaggerated. They still can absolutely punch at like playoff caliber weight, not like NFC contender weight, but they're, they absolutely can punch at playoff caliber weight. They, they, and they had control of that game for most of that game. They're leading for most of the game. They, they had the opportunity to go up two scores in the third quarter. <laughs> and then they just can't get the, the hay in the barn, right? They can't park the boat. And that's, that's, I don't think that's reflective of anything. People always want, there to be like a result like oh like because Gino's not clutch like I don't think that happened like oh like Pete's Carroll like the defense isn't good enough I don't even argue that like most teams that are running into Dak these days are, are dealing with that sort of performance I don't even think there's a major takeaway for me as to like why they lost you just wish they would have won because it would have asserted the take a little bit more but for me like my number one takeaway coming out of that is that Seattle's still up there like Seattle's still like a tough out on any given week on the road against NFC contenders like they're going to be around do they have the same number of losses as the Packers and the Vikings? And now they have to really fight for the wildcard spot? Yes. But I, I view the Seahawks as a tier above those teams. Yeah, I was trying to think about how I would feel if I were a Seahawks fan after that game. And I do think you're right. There's definitely an aspect of it that's like, whoa, this offensive performance against that Cowboys defense? Like, all right, we, you know, now uh, things are looking up for us. I mean, that was the, that was the Seahawks' best offensive performance of the season based on EPA per drive. It was a top 10 performance by any team this season offensively for the Seahawks. So you look at that, you say, wow, Gino looked good. The ball was coming out. Uh, you know, even when he was getting pressured, he was doing a good job climbing the pocket. DK Metcalf was yeah. making plays. Jackson Smith and Jigba is coming on strong. Uh, Lockett had the one drop, but you kind of feel good uh, about them offensively. I'm not with you. I, I, I cannot just say defensively, oh, it's the Cowboys. Like, there is truth to that for sure. But this defense, if, if you're the Seahawks, I mean, you traded for Leonard Williams. You signed Draymond Jones uh, in the offseason. You used a top pick on Devon Witherspoon, who's awesome. And you're 26th in EPA per drive. Like, you're, you know, we always talk about, are you doing more with less? 
that defense is not doing it, it's doing it feels like it's doing less with more you know what i mean it feels like yeah. if th there are different situations where that defense would be playing better and that's not me saying you know oh, pete carroll can't coach or clint hurt the defensive coordinator maybe they'll get it together but i think if you're a seahawks fan you say man our expectations for this defense with the personnel with jamal adams i didn't like they've used a lot of resources on this defense and to show up in in that spot uh and not show any resistance i mean the Cowboys had 33 first downs. That's the most by any team all season long there. You know, Seahawks plan was uh, Ben, but don't break. Stop him in the red zone. And you were kind of doing that a little bit, but uh, they just offered no resistance. So um, I would be a little frustrated by the defense and I would be a little frustrated by the outcome. I mean, it's easy for you and I to come out and say, oh, they, you know, they, they look good. They're, still, they're six and six and they've got the Niners and the Eagles the next two weeks. Like that was a game you had a chance to steal for sure and you didn't do it um, and it could end up costing you. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like on both sides uh, there for the Seahawks. And then the Cowboys, I mean, you got to be feeling great. Dak Prescott has probably never looked better. You know, he's been a good quarterback for a long time. Right now, he is really buttoned up, polished. They look unstoppable right now. Uh, I mean, Jake Ferguson is, I always wonder, do they have enough beyond C.D. Lamb. I mean, Jake Ferguson was showing up in a big yeah. spot uh, last night. So yeah, I think I, right now, Solak, and like this will surprise people because you and I were not on the mic. They're first in EPA per drive. They overtook the Niners with that offensive performance, their offense. So they didn't right. have a signature win on their schedule. Um, and I thought that was a pretty big win for them. Well, this was why, like, do you remember after that Cardinals loss, I came with the Cowboys take of like, it's all good news because either it's a very easy fix or Mike McCarthy's getting fired because it's yeah. not a very easy fix. This is this is the first reality for me where it was like, all right, like this isn't hard, like move CD around and get better in the red zone like this, like they, like they, it, you, you would very, you very clearly see the bones of, of a very good offense. And they just weren't, like, again, like landing the play. And the same way we're talking about the Seahawks. They just weren't scoring in the red zone. Like they had a terrible performance against the Cardinals. They had a couple of bad red zone performances in like blowouts. And like, okay, like maybe this is going to be an issue for McCarthy long term. It was just, okay, get better there. Like put your attention there. You're going to use Dak more with his legs running the football. Ferguson waking up and, and, and improving as a player has been a big deal for that. But then the other thing has just been, okay, we got to know where our bread is buttered. Like I like Michael, I, 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 Michael Gallup. I've always liked Michael Gallup. He is not the same player he was off the yeah. injury. And his snaps have just been going down and down and down and down and down. Get Jalen Tolbert activated. Kamonte Turpin has been big for them in the red zone. They're activating Brandon Cooks a little bit more. And then obviously they're willing to run the entire plane out of CeeDee Lamb when they can. Uh, that, they, like the Cowboys offense, I always had this in their chamber for me. I did have my doubts that McCarthy would get there, but I'm very glad they have. You cannot overstate how well Dak is playing. Like right there, you said like, he's always been a good player. He's, he's, you know, he's buttoned up, he's polished up. This is like, you know, a high caliber play. He's like, as like, it, it looks different than when Mahomes is at his most dangerous or Allen is at his most dangerous because he's not running around like breaking tackles and like making trick shots the way those guys do. But Prescott right now is as dangerous, as difficult to deal with, as intimidating as those guys are when they are at their peak, respectively, right? It looks different. But there's you just don't, you don't solve. This, it's a step this. too far for me. I would say settle, settle down a little bit with that. You don't, you don't, you don't, like defensively, you don't solve this. There's no like, oh, well, we do this and that and then this and then the other thing. Dak just sits back there and is right every single time. And he's not just right five yards down the field, he's right 15 yards down the field, 20 yards. Down the field. There's nothing to do. You just, and, and I will say, what you want to do is bully the receivers. And when you get flags like this, you can't. And so like, I give the Seahawks defense a little bit of grace in that regard because like it's a tough night to be a defensive back out there, uh, just from a, 
procedural and, and what is legal perspective. So what you want to do is you want to just bully the receivers and make Dak go tight window for his entire life. But he's just been doing this for like over a month now where he just doesn't miss. Every, like the, the triple coverage C.D. Lamb bender that was, that was in the end zone. Heat check, he checked, yeah. He forced into the most ridiculous coverage. Everyone knew that route was covering. Everyone was on it. Hit C.D. Lamb with both hands. The window is the size of the football, dude. Like I, I, I think that the what Dak, what I think it's true. I think what Dak is doing right now is as 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 intimidating, not like as impressive, as intimidating, as scary to deal with defensively as when you get like Mahomes where he's running around and creating whatever he wants, or Allen like like he played against the Eagles. Like there's just there's just nothing you can do against this except sit there and take it and hope you outscore it. Uh, I would put it just a, a tier below. I, I think those guys, their uh, A plus game when they are they are playing uh, adds another element. But I, I don't want to you know downplay uh, how Dak Prescott's playing. He, he's been he's been terrific. Uh, their offensive line, you know, I know they gave up some sacks last night, but man, there were just snaps where they were dominating. And I think we talked about it when they played the Eagles a few weeks ago. That was my biggest takeaway from the film. I was like, holy cow, their offensive line is handling this Eagles pass rush for 57 minutes. And so uh, they've got all the pieces right now. There's no doubt about it. Their their defense didn't play well. I'm willing to say maybe that's just a, a, a one-off game. Let's see. You know, we have a bigger sample size uh, of their defense being a, a top five unit in the NFL. And then even if you go back to last year, we have an even bigger sample size. So um, they got, you know, picked apart uh, quite a bit by Geno Smith and that Seahawks offense. But um, even good defenses generally have those types of weeks. So if it happens again, if it's two or three weeks in a row, I'm ready to have that discussion, but not right now. So big one yeah. next week, Cowboys host the Eagles, which brings us, I think, to our headliners. Unless you got something else, so like I would yeah. imagine your headliner Dolphins is Commanders be... <laughs> is really that's a lot riding on this one for me. Uh, a headliner, Eagles Niners. I have not talked to you at all about this game this week. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. What do you think? What stands out? Yeah, matchups all over the place that are exciting, right? Debo Samuel told James Bradbury he's not all that, and now we got to, every time Not all that, he called him trash. I mean, it's so trash. James Bradbury is such a nice guy, if anyone's ever met him. Very soft-spoken, well-mannered, just, you know, uh, consummate professional, and Debo's out here just calling him trash. Jeez. Yeah, so we got to, we got to, now every time they line up opposite each other, we got to have a conversation about that. Huge matchup there. We have uh, the young man, Ben Van Sumeren, linebacker. (laughs) Potentially making his first career start. Okay, you have to explain to people who this person is because I barely know who he is and I uh, you know, uh, am a co-host of the Ringers Philly special. So why are you talking about Ben Van Sumeren 10 minutes into uh, Extra Point Ticket? Ben Van Sumeren is the rare, <laughs> all right, Michigan to Michigan State transfer. Wow, mm, traitor. Uh, he was, he was uh, a linebacker who started, uh, uh, I think he started up Michigan and then he transferred away to Michigan State, whatever. He's undrafted free agent for the Eagles in 2022, or no, 2023 this year. He's a rookie. Uh, and the Eagles had at linebacker Nicobe Dean, Nicholas Morrow, Zach Cunningham all above him on the depth chart. Dean's out and Cunningham's out. And because the Eagles haven't gotten Darius Leonard in the building and got him onboarded in like four days, which I would imagine they were kind of hoping maybe they could do, uh, they're going to start Ben Van Sumeren, undrafted free agent rookie linebacker. His first career start. He's got like 20, 30 snaps on defense so far this year. Well, uh, is that again, true? What about Christian Ellis? They got Christian Ellis. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They might, yeah. yeah they're going to get yeah, Ellis. So there, yeah, so Sumerin might... I mean, the big question... I think the you know the point is a good one because the... Mm-hmm. I mean, the 49ers run 21 and 22 personnel more than any other team uh, in the NFL. And so, like, they want to get your linebackers on the field and then they want to expose your linebackers. 
Eagles linebackers were not very good to begin with, and now they're down two starters. And so now you're playing right. two backups, some combination uh, of those names you mentioned uh, out there. And I, yeah, I do think that is like, you know, one of the biggest storylines in this game is just like, how in the world are the Eagles going to defend the middle of the field uh, with this yeah. linebacking core against those that Niners offense? Yeah, so allow me to edit. I said it was a 2023 undrafted free agent. The Eagles have a 2021 undrafted free agent who's bounced around the league <laughs> named Christian Ellis. He's been a couple places. He's largely been a special teamer. He has 75 snaps this season. He's going to be the starting linebacker. The little better. <laughs> uh, they are very thin at linebacker going up against this, this uh, Niners offense. Like you said, that's a terrible place to be against uh, uh, such a play action heavy team that works in the middle of the field. So you have that matchup. The matchup to me that's going to define this game is the Eagles' number one ranked rushing offense by success rate against the 49ers' 30th ranked rushing defense by success rate. Ooh. When, when the Niners ha- were under Robert Sala and then under D'Amico Ryans, and they were just like, we're going to be a two-high team, we're going to play quarters, we're going to play, uh, you know, with like lighter personnel with these like smaller, wider, uh, smaller linebackers, excuse me, and we're going to be light in the box all the time. Structurally, they were doing a lot of Seattle stuff. They were changing the coverage a little bit, but they were like four down front and... They were just going to lose to the run. Like they, they, by structure, they decided we're not going to be a good run defense. Not much we can do about that. We're going to let this defensive line be super aggressive and get upfield. So we're going to lose to the run. And so it was, it was, it was interesting to see. I was curious to see this season when Steve Wilkes comes in. He's obviously from a little bit different of a tree. Is he going to make changes? They're going to be a little bit more versatile in the front and they're not going to be as pass rush prioritized on first and 10. They're going to make the guys play a little slower. And they got Javon Hargrave, who like Hargrave was a great penetration player with the Eagles and high pass rush value. He wasn't a great run defender, but in a previous life, he'd been a really good run defender with the Steelers and early with the Eagles when he was asked to play a little slower, like maybe Hargrave's going to be that for them. Like, how's this going to work? And then it turns out they're just doing the same stuff, man. It's, it's, it, it, we yeah. put four down and we ask those four down to win those four gaps and then we're going to solve the problem behind you. Uh, and so they are <laughs> liable to lose in the running game. Now they're a penetration front so they can get wins. They can get stops and Fred Warner run through and first and 10 becomes a one-yard loss, second 11, that's a nice win, but snap to snap, this team loses to the running game. When the Eagles played the Niners uh, in the NFC Championship game, Shield, a lot of people remember that game as being a huge blowout. Halfway through the second quarter, 7-7, seven to seven, right? Uh, the, the, the Niners' defense was stopping the Eagles pretty successfully early in that game. They got a good enough drive with Josh Johnson to tie it up with Christian McCaffrey, like, oh, maybe they're going to make something of this. And the Eagles really started to find success offensively once they moved to a more run-the-ball-oriented approach, a little bit more methodical drive-wise, Eagles averaged 0.15 EPA per rush in that game, 0.09 EPA per pass, right? And that's called run versus called pass. That's removing the scrambles. This team was better against the Niners when they ran the ball. Most offenses are, right? Kirk Cousins, Vikings, heroics notwithstanding, the success against this team this year has been running the football. Most important thing for the, the, the Niners in this game is when the Eagles line up first and 10, and they just stick the ball in DeAndre Swift's belly, you got to win the down. You have to make the Eagles get off the field on, on short drives. You cannot let them eat the clock on you. You cannot let them march down the field on you. We have, they have shown so many times this year under Brian Johnson, even last year under Shane Steichen, they are very willing to do that. All right, 15 play, 75-yard touchdown drive with two fourth-down conversions. Because remember, the Eagles don't play on first and 10. They play on first and eight and a half. Because if they get if they get to fourth and one and a half, they're sneaking that sucker and it's going in. Uh, and so you have to be able defensively to find solutions and wins to the way the Eagles run the football. They're going to be in guns, going to be RPOs. They're going to try to outnumber you. You have to win with the front. You have to be able to dominate against that Eagles off the line. Very, very, very tough ask, but that's the matchup that decides this game. 
Yeah, I think from a game script perspective, that makes sense for the Eagles too. I mean, they want to shrink this game. They know their defense is not going to shut down the Niners. This is not a, hey, force them to go three and out, you know, three or four times in this game. I just don't think that's going to happen. It's sort of a high leverage game for the Eagles defense where they have to say, hey, Brock Purdy will give us, what, two to four chances in this game to take the ball away. He, he's 25th out of 29 quarterbacks in turnover worthy play rate. It's like the only statistic where Brock Purdy is not top three in the NFL. I mean, I looked at every split this week, man, zone, single high, too high, blitz, no blitz. He, he's top three in terms of efficiency, EPA per pass play, uh, in all of those statistics. The only thing is, he will give you, he is aggressive. We've talked about this many times on this show. He's different from Jimmy G in that he's willing to push the ball downfield. He's willing to take some chances. He's willing to try to create a little bit. Uh, whether Kyle Shanahan likes that or not, it probably depends on the result. I, I was laughing the other week when he had the touchdown and uh, what Shanahan called it, the worst decision he's made as a 49ers yeah. starter. So we'll see what he, you know, you got to make those plays uh, if you're the Eagles defense. You've got to, the pass rush has to win up front. I think that's the other area where they have a chance. The left side of the Eagles pass rush, uh, Hassan Reddick, Jalen Carter against the right side of that 49ers offensive line. But uh, man, this 49ers offense is tough and it's hard for me. You know, I really don't know what the solution is to uh, protecting the middle of the field against that 49ers offense. So uh, from a game script perspective, I think if you can shrink the game, limit the number of possessions, run the ball, that's going to work in your favor uh, if you are the Philadelphia Eagles. So this game has so much juice. I mean, this is uh, both fan bases are fired up about this game. There's going to be narratives after this game about who, who's the king uh, of the NFC. So uh, really excited for this matchup. That is the headliner for week 13 in the NFL. All right. Before we move on, it's time for a special part of today's episode presented Woo! by State Farm. There's a lot of things that are good together. You know who looked good together last week? Ben Solak, Patrick Mahomes, and Rashi Rice. Yes, sir. Which brings me to my Monday morning storyline, the next part of the show. What will we be talking about Monday morning? I think, Ben, we're going to be talking about, are we sure Patrick Mahomes isn't the MVP of 2023? on Monday morning. So here's the, here's how it looks right now. Mahomes right now is plus 470. Hello, the greatest uh, quarterback we've seen in our lifetime. I'll say that. Brady more accomplished. Yes, if I'm just saying correct. greatest, I will say Patrick Mahomes in his prime is plus 470 in a season where there's no obvious MVP. Jalen Hurts is plus 190, the favorite. Dak Prescott, after his Thursday night performance, moves up to second place at plus 380. All right. So why am I saying this about Mahomes this week specifically? Eagles are two and a half point underdogs against the Niners. I'm sure we'll, you know, may maybe we'll get to that game uh, a little bit more. I I've got to hear your pick at some point during the show, but there's an obvious chance that the Eagles lose that football game. You and I have talked about, this is a very predictable award. Quarterback of one or two seed wins MVP. There's not really nothing yeah. else you need to know. That that's what happens. And so, um, the Chiefs, if they win this game at Green Bay against the Packers, they're going to be tied for the best record in the AFC. They're going to have a great shot to earn that one seed. I looked at that game last week, Chiefs-Raiders, and I thought, okay, for the first time all year, it feels like the Chiefs are figuring some things out. It was their best, uh, uh, best performance all season in terms of offensive success rate. When Mahomes went to Rashi Rice, 8 for 10 for 107 yards, and a touchdown. Some of that was out of structure, but you know what? If you can give Mahomes another option he trusts out of structure in addition to Travis Kelsey, that's a big deal 
for that Chiefs offense. So, um, you know, I, I think we're, we're, there's going to be this narrative, and I think it's going to be fair that if you put any, a league average quarterback into that Chiefs offense, what does it look like? And is Mahomes kind of dragging this team, lifting this team uh, to this performance to potentially the first seed in the AFC? Because after this game, Ben, they get the Bills. That's a tough one. Then they go at New England, Raiders, Bengals, and Chargers. I mean, we're looking at a 13 uh, or a 14 win team here. And by the way, the Ravens have the second hardest schedule in the NFL remaining. So uh, Chiefs have a really good shot to earn that one seed. I think there's going to be some, hey, I, I think Patrick Mahomes was sitting here all along. Let's not uh, you know, screw it up like we did with Carl Malone and Michael Jordan uh, back in the day in the NBA. Let's just give it. If, if there's no other clear-cut favorite, let's just give it to the guy who we think is the best player who's lifting his team to a top five offense. What do you think about that Monday morning storyline? I love that Monday morning storyline because I feel like every year in the MVP race, we have a moment around this time, like week 13, week 14. 100%. Where we all, yeah, where, where we all go, are we sure we shouldn't just give it to like, the actual best player who's yes. the most valuable? Are we positive? Like, Last year, should... the same thing happened, 100%, this yeah, time of but, year. Yeah, we, we all like wisen up like just for a week. Well, what if, what if we gave it to the most valuable player? And then after that, there's like some like 400 yard, three touchdown performance from Brock Purdy. We're like, nah, it's gotta be Brock. What can we do? It's because of stats, right? Steven, uh, our coworker Steven Ruiz had a great uh, uh, tweet during the game last night where after the Cowboys took the lead, 38-35, he tweeted, it's a shame that Dak Prescott could never touch the ball for the rest of this game. The Cowboys could lose this game and that would somehow impact Dak's MVP case, right? Because if the Seahawks had won that game over the Cowboys, it would have probably to some degree hurt Dak's MVP case a little bit. And it's like, yeah, like that's, that's how we calculate MVP. We do wins and losses, which doesn't make sense. So it's a great take because I 100% believe uh, that Mahomes has the uh, uh, is going to have that 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 effect that moment uh, so at some point in the upcoming weeks. You got to get more Rasheed Rice in your duo though. This young man can play. This is yeah. I'm very I, I'm I have liked what I've seen from Rasheed incrementally across the season. I was not give the me the background fan. on yeah give me the background yeah. on Rasheed because you are more of a draft guy than I am. I only really knew of him uh, when he got. To the NFL, like where did he cut? What was his skill set like? What what does he show? What did he show you last week that was impressive? Yeah, so Rasheed was a really good uh, contested catch, go get the ball in the air, make something happen. Player at SMU. Now his, he measured in six one, like two hundred five. I want to say, which usually when you're a contested catch guy, we want you to be a little bigger, uh, a little bit stronger. He has long arms for his size though, and typically guys good in contested catch, it's, it's a, a really long arm length thing. And so okay. He's not the biggest dude, and, and, and he's, he wasn't the best athlete. And so it's like, all right, he's going to try to be a contested catch guy in the league. And he's not T. Higgins size. Like for me, like I was, I was struggling with that. There were folks, like I know Derek Klassen, who does uh, work for Reception Perception and for the 33 NFL team. I know Nate Tice, who's at the Athletic. Like there were guys who were big Rasheed fans because they thought he'd be able to run the, uh, uh, run the ball well after the catch. Like he's a good physical uh, specimen. He doesn't go down easily. He's a smart player with it. And then he'd catch everything. And so you could use him more reliably as like a possession receiver. I wasn't fully there. That's what you're getting from him. They're using him as a possession receiver, right? Rasheed is not a, uh, a downfield explosives guy. Like he, he certainly can get that for you, but that's not how they're using him. They're throwing him on screens, man. They're throwing him on screens and curls. Like they're using him on a lot of the routes they used Juju on last year, but it's souped up to a 12, right? Because he can like actually break tackles at this point in his career. Unlike Juju, who kind of didn't have that as much anymore. And that's what the Chiefs offense has really been lacking, right? They don't need another like, Oh, if he can catch it, it's a 45-yard gain guy. They just need like a 
dude, we can get 12 yards on third and seven. Thank God, yeah. guy. And that's what Rashid has become to them. Which is hard for a rookie to be early because the quarterback doesn't fully know him just yet. And they're not totally dialed in. But you're seeing that week over week over week. And when, when critically, when Rice has plays like the touchdown he had against the Raiders, where Mahomes gives him a regular throw on a regular route that should just get first and 10, and Rice pays him off with a touchdown, that's enormous. Because think about the amount of touchdowns Mahomes has thrown where the guy has not paid him off, right? Where a receiver has underwhelmed for him. Rasheed is right now in Mahomes' mind, like the guy who does something when I throw when he catches the ball, that's going to warrant him more targets. So I I wanted to make sure I gave a a moment to Rice, who is emerging to be the player I hoped he would over the course of this season. I think he's going to get better and better week over week. Mahomes and Rasheed Rice, a dynamic duo to watch this weekend. We'll talk more about that Chiefs-Packers game coming up. But you know what else is better? Together, Benjamin. Home and auto insurance. And with... The State Farm Personal Price Plan. Bundling home and auto is just another way to save. It's a pro move when it comes to saving money, letting you call the play so you can choose the coverage that fits your needs at a price you can afford. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility very by state. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll hear from Ben on his Monday morning storyline. All right, we are back on extra point taken. So like, what are we talking about? Monday morning. After week, I love saying week 13. It's like, we're getting there. These, these yeah. games matter, baby. Yeah. All right. What do you got? I'm glad. I, I'm, I'm definitely at the stage where I can't remember what week it is. I really, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm still positive it's week 10. I've been positive it's week 10 for like a month. Uh, Monday morning headline. We're going to be talking about the resurgence of Joe Flacco. No, I'm kidding. Uh, oh my gosh. I thought for a second, I was like, what is happening here? I thought I, I, thought I could get you to spit take on, <laughs> on the coffee there real quick. I thought I could get you. No, I... Uh, I do. I have, to, I have to take my lumps here a little bit because you came to the the uh, Monday pod this week with, hey, Rams are making the playoffs. And I was like, oh, I like the Rams. So I don't know. Rams might be. I think Monday morning headlines. Rams might be actually making the playoffs. I think mm. it's going to become a little bit more of a, a mainstream idea. The Rams right now are five and six and they get those Joe Flacco Browns at home in the late window. And I'll be honest. I think this team is quite well equipped to beat the Browns when they have Kyron Williams. I brought the fact that the Eagles are first in rushing success rate. The Rams, as a, just a team this season, are second in rushing success rate. Wow. A Sean McVay team? What? That's his 2017. Has, like the Todd Gurley outside zone heyday. Has a Sean McVay team been running the football this well, this consistently? And Kyron Williams, their back, who exploded last week against the Cardinals, over 170 all-purpose yards. Uh, the, he's been uh, the most reliable back they have in the backfield. They're rushing EPA. Been 10 ranks higher, 10 points higher uh, when, when Kyron is off the field versus when he's off the field. This is a high impact back who matters. He is better than the alternatives. He is a, an important player to them. Uh, when you have a good running game against the Browns, you're able to punish the way the Browns play very simple fronts and kind of our, our, our one gap and go pass rush oriented team. This Rams uh, pass protection is probably going to struggle quite a bit against the Browns uh, if they're in clear pass situations. And so you have to be able to run the ball to survive and, and stay ahead of the sticks there. But critically, you don't expect to be put into any negative game scripts because the other team is playing Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is all the, the, the Browns signed Joe Flacco like two weeks ago, and Dorian Thompson Robinson looking like he can't go this week. 
and they have P.J. Walker, but they're not going to be able to play P.J. Walker. They're going to start Flacco. Be a fourth starting quarterback for the Browns here as they is this is this like trying to make the play? What's happening? Why? What logic, Joe Flacco for me? Because I'm okay. still perturbed that this is occurring. All right. Uh, so I have been a Joe Flacco hater for many years. So ah, was, let's go. Even, even when he was with the Ravens. But I can give the defense if I'm Ke- if I'm like, you know, Kevin Stefanski giving you an off the record, you know, bet you're, you're covering the Browns. And I want to expl- just, you know, this would coach just for context, you know, just from background. And then they try to get you to write exactly what they say. Well, yeah, I know how you work, coaches and GMs. I would say we know we got to win with defense. We know we have to take care of the football. And guess what? We're going to incorporate the Joe Flacco offense where have you what did you watch Thursday night football? Have you watched the game the way games are officiated this year? We're just going to have Joe Flacco <laughs> use that beautiful arm and just chuck that ball 40 50 yards, let's say 5 to 6 times a game. And guess what? On at least two of those, I'm going to we're going to spend time with the receivers this week. Hey, you're coming back to the ball. Make sure you fall down. Let me see you sell it. If you don't sell it, you're running you're running laps here. And so we're going to get a couple uh, defensive pass interference penalties. That's going to put us in field goal range. We think we need like you know, 16 points to win this game. 16. What's the, the over? Isn't this, is this the one with the low over under or is that uh, another game? I forget. I think uh, it's under 40 for sure. Is this one is four point game. Yeah. This one is 39 and a half. 39. Now, because okay. it's the 2023 NFL season, there are multiple games that are lower. Bengals Jags <laughs> yeah. is 38 and a half. Falcons Jets is 37 and a half. Or no, wait. Falcons Jets is 30, 30, uh, uh, three and a half. And then yeah, Panthers that's the one Bucks I was thinking of. Is 36 and a half. Okay. Yes. So there you I go. am on. Two overs in those four games. Okay. If, we're being, if we're if we're sharing personal <laughs> secrets that we're ashamed of. So there you go. That that's the Joe Flacco. Uh, th- that that's the defense of Joe Flacco. He's just going to chuck it downfield. We're going to get some DPIs. Maybe we catch one of them. One of them leads to a touchdown. One of them leads to a field goal. All of a sudden, we're closer to winning the football game. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> uh, this Browns team, I don't. I, I I they are they are such a poor position to be successful offensively. Like. I preferred DTR because at least he gave you scramble drill stuff. Like, I know it felt like he, you know, couldn't, like, hit your receivers or whatever. Flacco was not going to be good enough, uh, consistently enough, especially, like, when the pocket starts to get a little bit hot. And remember, this team yeah. is still dealing with offensive line injuries. Uh, to be, like, Amari Cooper, maximize Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore. Like, maybe if you had, like, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, I'd get, like, all right, we need to do anything we can to get, like, a game manager in here. It's Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore. Like, it's, like, it's good. It's not, like, chill out. Like, I... I I don't I don't see this. This this is not going to be a good passing yeah. game regardless. Yeah, exactly. A creator so, might put you in a better spot. Yeah. And so if the Rams win this game, then all right, you've got yourself at six and six. New York Times would put them uh, at a 57 percent chance to make the playoffs. Now, if we're only looking at games that Kyron Williams has played in, they're going to be five and three. If we're only looking at games that Matthew Stafford has played, in, they're going to be six and five. Like this is a team that when the offense is healthy. Yeah. They've been punching above their weight. They've been punching above 500. And so we talked about a lot on this show. The defense, not a great unit, but a very young unit that absolutely you can see getting better over time. And so to me, uh, yeah, I think a Rams win against the Browns is, is something that's likely. I'll be talking about that more later in the show. Uh, and I like them to, uh, to get a little bit of that playoff buzz that you saw the Packers getting this week and you saw the Colts getting this week and some of those other teams that, that get into the fringe of the playoff picture. I think it's the Rams' turn after a win against the Browns this Sunday. I always lean towards which offense do I trust? Which offense can score? And if Stafford's healthy with Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua and Kua, it's all of a sudden you're like, there are players I like a lot on this offense with a good offensive coach. Yeah. Can they protect? I mean, I think there's still going to be ugly weeks where Stafford's taking sacks and forced into some mistakes for sure. 
But um, yeah, that's why uh, on Monday I was trying to look ahead a little bit and say Rams and Packers are two teams, I think, to keep an eye on here. All right. It's time to get uh, to the contest, the extra point taken contest. And while Solak brings up the spreadsheet, you'll notice here, I'm trying to change my juju. Now, you didn't comment, so like I was surprised. For the first time all year, I'm wearing an actual shirt. Uh, well, yeah. no, I always wear a shirt. I shouldn't say that. I don't, I don't <laughs> do these shows shirtless. I don't do these shows nude. But I'm putting on a regular you know, button-down collar. You see the dome has been shaved, mo- nicely moisturized. I'm trying to change the juju. I am so embarrassed. By my picks against the spread performance on this contest, I need to do something, and I will continue to do something. If I don't go two and one or better this week, who knows what you're going to see me in next week on this show. So So, go ahead. You had a monster week. So whatever you did last week, you should be doing that again. Well, a little inside baseball here. I was a few minutes late to the the pod this morning. I rolled out of bed like maybe 15 minutes before we started this (laughs) thing. And... And I got on the pod and Shields got no hat on and a colored shirt. And I was like, shoot, Shields got something with his kids after the pod. And I made him lay. I'm the worst. No. I was like, I'm so sorry. Because Shields wearing, I'm going outside clothes. And it turns out, no, Shields just wearing, I'm trying to make good picks clothes. So actually, this yes. is good news for me. Yes, that's good news. Yes. For you. It has nothing right. to do with what I'm doing after the show. We finally had a sweep last week. The seven-pointer. The touchdown was scored. Uh, yeah, I had, I had a perfect week last week, which we're very excited about. Uh, have the Chiefs against the spread, Falcons against the spread, Steelers against the spread. I'll give you a little golf clap for that. Rams alternate Seven line. That's impressive. Yeah. And under uh, under rushing yards for Saquon Barkley. Funny thing is, what wasn't even my best predictions of the of the show. I said if the Steelers go over 400 yards, we should get a cake of 400 <laughs> candles. They did that. My nonsense prediction was that it was going to be a, 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 a Black Monday for someone. Frank Reich was fired wow, Monday morning. Nice job. Yeah. You wow. Nine for nine. <laughs> I was running real hot <laughs> last Friday. I'm very worried about the, uh, the the cool down coming. But yeah, it was nice. I, I like I said, when we were when we were at, at our lowest there, I said, okay, the most important thing is someone has got to get at least one. I'm still sweep. at my lowest, by yeah. the way. But yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, someone's gotta get one sweep. So I'm glad we got a sweep. We got a seven pointer and it feels good. I now have 37 points to your 35 points. You had uh, your long sh- you had your long shot hit again. Incredible on the long shot shield. Over 300 passing yards for CJ Stroud, which for those of you playing at home, CJ Stroud was trying to put together a game-winning drive, got 304 yards, and then the drive stopped. All right, what? He got just over the bar. Um, a push on Bills plus three against the Eagles. Tough loss on that one. I mean, I was feeling J- good at halftime on that bad yeah. boy. Jalen Warren over 49 and a half rushing yards. He ends with 49. Shield By the way, been a good week. He got a carry. They're trying to put the game away. Stop for no gain. Come no on, Jalen. Fall forward. I'm 49 and 49 and a half. Incredible. And then Vikings minus three against the Bears, which the Bears didn't score a touchdown and still covered. It sucks. Chargers plus three against the Ravens. Could have gotten a push there. Didn't get that one. Just a, a, you, Chargers. a week from hell from Shield. <laughs> uh, so yeah, now in the season, Shield hitting the um, hitting the long shots at an unbelievable rate. Shield is where well, I lost it now. Shield, long shots of the week, uh, 15 points, five correct on 12 opportunities, 42% on his long shots, 39% on, on oh the locks God. against the spread. I'm worse this, on locks this, than long shots. This what is happening? Better taking big swings. Yeah, so we're trying to, as, as a group, be over 56% That's uh, not happening this year against the, the spread. I'm, I'm at 56%. Shield's <laughs> at 39. So we're doing our best over here. But uh, he's wearing a collared shirt, so he'll be yeah. back. Yeah, like I said, 37-35 is the score right now. Listen, I'm wearing a collared shirt. 
I had Seahawks plus nine and a half last night. I was sweating it out. I said, Dak, if you get this ball in the end zone, I oh, may have to throw Joe. something at the TV here. I was I I I lost almost every prop I put in last night's game. It was a tough game for me. I was taking live unders, missing those. <laughs> I had Seahawks plus nine and a half, and I was like, all right, at least I have that. And then the Cowboys got that ball in the red zone. I was like, there's no oh way gosh. I had goose egg on this. That was a scary one. I had already like in my head marked it down as a win, and then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, they're up by three and they have the football. And right. CD Lamb just had an end around for like 35 yards, and they're in the red zone. What is happening here? Uh, but Seahawks, thank you. You you cover. You didn't win, but you covered. All right. I'm feeling good. I spent a lot of time this week. I feel good about my picks. Collared shirt, bald head, moisturized. I'm just going to say, you know what? I'm changing the juju. I'm starting us off with my prop of the Yes. You know what I liked? What experience I enjoyed last week, Solak? Was watching CJ Stroud and saying, if he throws for more yards, I win something (laughs) here. And so I'm not doing that as my long shot. I'm doing that as my prop this week. I'm not going to push it. 261 and a half passing yards for CJ Stroud. I'm taking the over. Uh, He has thrown for 300 plus in four straight games. This is a passing team right now. They're putting the football in his hands. What I loved about last week, earlier in the season, what was great about TJ Stroud? In rhythm, operating, pushing the ball downfield, going through his reads. Well, last week that wasn't available to him. He had to go in creation mode. Now he took some sacks. There's no doubt about it. They lost the game. But also he was making some big boy plays, uh, just buying time, holding the football and making plays downfield. So uh, I think regardless of what's happening, he's able to move the ball through the air. This team is third in passing DVOA. Like CJ Stroud has gone from, oh, this is a fun, like fun rookie we're watching. Good. No, no. They have a top three uh, passing offense in the NFL in terms of efficiency. So I look at that Broncos defense. I still think they're doing it with the little smoke and mirrors with all the takeaways. They've had a league high 16 takeaways during this five game winning streak. They're 21st in defensive success rate during the winning streak. So they're still like down to down. They're still a below average defense. Even if you take away the, I'm not talking about the Miami game. I'm talking about during this winning streak. So I think Stroud's going to be able to make plays in the passing game. I'm not too worried about the game script. CJ Stroud over 261 and a half passing yard. There you go. Right. Got to go back to the well. You go back to the well, it feels good. I know. I, I might I, just have him on something the rest of the season. That that's right. fun to sit there and be like, I want him to pass for more yards. Yeah. That is a good experience. Yes, nobody ro- watches CJ Stroud and roots for him not to do what he's doing, except the guys who are playing him. And so you're, you yeah. feel you have the, co- the collective <laughs> with you. Yeah, I like it. All right, what All do right. you got? Uh, prop of the week for me. Uh, uh, pinch your nose, but uh, Bailey Zappi is starting a quarterback for the, the New England Patriots this week. Uh, they're going up against the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers, an extremely bad defense against pass-catching backs this season, a uh, zone-heavy defense. Ramondre Stevenson, a good pass-catching back who, if you go and you look last year, uh, or excuse me, over the last two seasons, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, pretty heavy target uh, when Bailey Zappi was a starting quarterback. Zappi's willing to get rid of the ball quickly. Uh, he's willing to throw the ball underneath versus zone. We look at uh, uh, targets per route run. Ramondre Stevenson was getting a look on about 25% of his routes run. Uh, when he was playing with Bailey Zappi. And so it's a, a high volume for a back there. He's at 20 and a half receiving yards. I like the over for this one. Uh, the Patriots like, eh, oh, like game script. Oh, they're going to try to be more aggressive. I don't think they're going to try to do anything. I think they're going to get out there and play for four quarters and see what Zappi does. I don't think there's going to be any like, I, oh, we got to get Taekwon Thornton activated. Like, uh, they, I, they have no juice. They have no like, oh, I, I think maybe you're going to see some like forced Demario Douglas, but there's no line for him right now. Other than that, I think it's just going to be zappy, like see what you can do with this offense. And against the Chargers defense, where it's a lot of zone, a lot of sink, a lot of let the back be free underneath, 
think you're going to see Ramondre uh, get that volume in the passing game. Ramondre has been a decently high uh, uh, passing game player as of late, right? He's had six, six, four, six, five, five targets in the last six weeks. And it's a two-headed backfield with Ezekiel Elliott. But obviously, Zeke's a little bit more of the run threat. Ramondre's a little bit more of the pass-catching threat. So with Zappi, with the way Ramondre is used against the Chargers defense, I like Ramondre to go over 20 and a half receiving yards. Running back receiving over has been great to me this season. Personally, I was going to say I feel like you are you. That's a high. Yeah. You're a high percentage backs uh, receiving yards prop yeah. guy. So it's one. It's it's one of the things that I, I model pretty successfully. Uh, I on this pod when I take it, it misses. I've been very <laughs> bad taking it on the show. Personally, I'm doing great with them. So I'm back to back to my own personal well. Hopefully, this one actually comes through. There you go. All right, Ramondre. Listen, I got Ramondre in a big, a couple big fantasy matchups. So let's get Ramondre uh, the football. We need this one, uh, Ramondre. My my, right. my biggest fantasy matchup is Dak. I'm feeling great. I, just, I had the, yeah. I the had earliest I started too. paying yeah. attention to fantasy football is like this week. And I was like, let's yeah. go, Dak, baby. We're doing it. There you go. All right, my long shot of the week. We talked about this a little bit earlier. 49ers Eagles, middle of the field. I've got George Kittle. 60 mm. plus receiving yards. Now that was 148. I said, shoot, I got to get to 150 for this. So you know what? It's pretty easy to get to 150 from 148. I'm adding on. <laughs> this is your influence, by the way. Jaguars plus 14 and a half. <laughs> okay. Plus four. as long as the Jaguars don't lose to the Bengals by 15 points or more, that gets me to plus 150 here. So it's really a George Kittle bet, 60 plus receiving yards. Uh, Eagles are 32nd in DVOA against tight ends. They're, we mentioned it earlier, they're down their two starting linebackers. What the Eagles have been doing in recent weeks, since they traded for Kevin Byard, the Titan safety, they've been using him as their tight end matchup. It's been hit or miss against the Chiefs. They were using Byard and somebody else in high leverage situations. Well, you can't do that against the 49ers. I mean, you're not going to be doubling George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. They have too many other guys who can beat you. So I think there's going to be one-on-one opportunities when the Eagles play man with Byard on Kittle that Kittle can win. I also think it's just going to be a heavy zone game uh, for the Eagles and that George Kittle is going to have opportunities. They're going to try to get the ball out of Brock Purdy's hands and not let that Eagles pass rush get home. So uh, I like George Kittle to be kind of the guy for that 49ers offense in this matchup. 60 plus receiving yards for George Kittle. Jaguars plus 14 and a half on Monday night. Okay, the funniest outcome would be if George Kittle has like 80 receiving yards and then the Jaguars lose by 15 on Monday night and I lose the bet. I will gladly laugh uh, at that loss. But uh, as long as the Jaguars don't lose by more than 14, that gets me to plus 150 for my long shot of the week. Yeah, Kittle's a great one for a long shot because Kittle's season has been extremely boomer bust. It's like one yeah. catch for 12 yards or seven catches for 103 right that's kind of been the, the the model for him they've used him a lot on shot plays right they this this is the the only shot play tight end in the league for so like this i don't know how he ended up here but he's like a block 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 you know release on, on the vertical is like a play action merchant in that regard i like that a lot uh against the eagles i agree up tight end uh numbers against the eagles have been something i've looked at over the course of this year uh they struggle against tight ends eagles also over the last eight weeks by the way uh established the run which is a wonderful fantasy site. I recommend everybody uh, has a defense versus position adjuster where it's basically like fantasy points wise. What do you expect? Worst defense of the last eight weeks against wide receivers been the Eagles as well. Uh, they obviously they have good corners, but they just they promote these game scripts and then they 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 don't have a lot outside of Darius Slay and, and the, the risk taker of James Bradbury. There's a way that 
like you brought up Mahomes as MVP. I was thinking for uh for uh, uh my nonsense prediction being like Brock's gonna beat the Eagles and we're gonna go back to Brock MVP world. You remember you remember like week six where I was like, how could Brock not be the MVP? We're about to be right back there <laughs> if he beats the Eagles. Uh, I think it's gonna be a big passing performance overall for the Niners. I like pretty much every Niners passing over under the sun. Are you you are you picking Eagles Niners in our in our locks of the week or no? I am not. Oh, okay. Well then I just I need you I need your prediction. Uh, what, what do you think? Do you have a score? Do you have a, a side if you had to uh, that you like, or there's that if you had to pick one, what how you say this uh, this game would result? I've successfully I don't, avoid- I don't know how to speak. Eh. I just forgot eh. how to speak there. How this game would result? Eh. What is happening? Yep. All right, that's go a, ahead. That's a, listen, you're, 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 you are dialed in on your picks. You're not taking your eye off the ball, and I appreciate that. I have successfully avoided giving a take on who's going to win this game because I think it's the Niners and I don't want that to be out loud as an Eagles fan and then receive the guff for it. Uh, So obviously you're going to corner me and make me do it. That's what you do well. Of course, that's Uh, what I do. I think the the Niners defense is a very scary matchup against the Eagles. I absolutely do. I can see a world where the Eagles run this thing uh, just for success in four quarters and control the script, but they haven't done that the last few weeks. It has been a little bit since we've seen that. Uh, I think the Eagles defense into this Niners uh, passing attack is abysmal. I think it's really rough. Like I said, like been very bad against receivers as of late, giving up a lot of production. This fantasy perspective, but it, it translates bad against the tight end position. I have no idea how they stop Christian McCaffrey receptions out of the backfield. Like I've got, a, they have not faced a receiving back like this this season. Uh, uh, like they, uh, uh, you're just gonna sit in zone, and then you're gonna be asking Christian Ellison, Bradley Roby, and 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 your corners to be step up and rally guys tackle christian mccaffrey in space it's terrifying stuff dude like i i wouldn't be surprised if we see a ton of points in this one which i know is like surprising for a lot of people but i think defensively the matchups are pretty bad i do like uh that plus the fact that the eagles are coming off this extremely emotional overtime win against the bills at home they were at home it was off of a short week they were in kansas city on the road monday Night football that was an emotional win like uh, this team is just a little bit primed, in my opinion, for like, OK, eventually a letdown spot comes and this feels like the spot. Now, I've said that like three times about these Eagles in the last two calendar years. and It never happens. So yeah. who knows? Maybe they just keep it rolling. But to me, it, this is a this is a pretty clear spot for the Niners. Uh, Eagles first home dog at 10 and one in like decades or something like the, the betting markets very much feel like they don't pass the sniff test for this one. So we'll see. I like Niners. Yeah. I- yeah, I picked the I like the Bills a lot as I picked on the show to cover last week against the Eagles. And I'm just tired of like trying to predict when, you know, they're going to lose a game with Jalen. Obviously, it's going to happen. Uh, I went with uh, Eagles 24, 49ers 23 in this game, close game like like the Eagles have been playing. Maybe they get the ball with like 140 left, kick a field goal and win the game. But I, I can there are a lot of schematic advantages for the 49ers. Also, you mentioned overtime. Eagles defense played 92 snaps last game. Like that's and, and the yeah. 49ers and they, uh, are coming yeah. off extra rest. So yeah, that that is a big thing for and sure. And they pay they paid I want to say 70 against the Chiefs, and they're also thin along the defensive line. They had like Carter took the most snaps he's taken all season. Fletcher Cox is out. Fletcher yeah, Co- yeah, Cox probably. is out. Jordan Davis took a lot of snaps. Like uh, I would not be surprised if they are gassed by the time we get to the end of this game. Okay, what do you got for your long shot of the week? Yeah, brought it up there. Oh, we're talking Eagles, Eagles, Niners. Oh. Uh, I've. I have Christian McCaffrey, uh, uh, six plus receptions, which is plus 154 uh, for my long shot of the week. Like I said, the Eagles, when you go and you look at what they've been uh, uh, against backs in the receiving game, they've actually been pretty good by the numbers, right? They have a pretty consistent formula where they're just going to ask their guys to step up around and tackle. And they're generally like a good 
rally and tackle defense. They're well coached. I appreciate that. But when you go and 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 poke through the schedule and try to find where they faced those tops receiving backs, they had week one against the Patriots. Like you had Ramondre in that game. Ramondre's a solid back. But then like Vikings, Buccaneers, they played the Commanders twice, Dolphins, Jets, Rams. These are not teams that throw like they've faced the Cowboys who like kind of throw to the back sometimes with Pollard, but it's not been a big part of their game this year. They faced the Chiefs without McKinnon. Like they just haven't faced a team that has a legit receiving back yet, which is great. Like week 13, usually you face one. They really just haven't had it. Like Pollard and Ramondre are kind of the biggest test and that, that's not high volume players. McCaffrey is a high volume guy. And like I said, you, you can see how this passing game is going to be very successful throwing to receivers and forcing targets downfield. And so it's like, all right, well, they're going to have a great time throwing to the receivers and a great time throwing to the tight ends. How are they possibly going to get McCaffrey to six receptions? I hear that. I absolutely do. Like, like I said, I like every passing over and so you kind of have to pick your spots. To me, they're going to, funnel targets to McCaffrey. Like uh, to me, if you, if you choose a player to get activated in this game, you choose Debo when he's lined up against James Bradbury. Obviously that's number one. But then number two is you, you go and you try to find McCaffrey activated because McCaffrey's going to struggle a little bit more in the running game, right? Like if this is, this is going to be a spot where the Eagles are going to win with their front. I think consistently enough in the trenches that McCaffrey's just not going to have the day running the football that you'd like for him to. And you need your star player to be activated. You need him to be able to carry this game for you. McCaffrey's the, the threat that I think the Eagles have the least answers to. So you're on George Kittle uh, for your potential long shot receiving overs. Yeah. I'm on Christian McCaffrey <laughs> for my long shot and receiving overs. It's going to be a big day for Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel probably in San Francisco. Um, but I want some sort of, of distance exposure, some sort of like big money exposure to this Niners passing game. So I think they're going to have a ton of fun. And uh, the player that I want to be on in terms of the, the targets personally is McCaffrey. So six plus receptions, 154. I was going to say, I think last time this happened, I had Christian Watson, you had Aaron Jones, and we both... Uh, law. So yes, if you're smart out there, maybe maybe you know put a little lettuce on Ayuk and Debo Samuel. All right, let's take one more break. We'll come back with our nonsense predictions and of course our locks of the week. All right, we are back on. Extra point taken. My non-test prediction. Listen, I'm sticking with Eagles 49ers. It's a big game. What do you want from me? Uh, I think we get an ejection in Eagles 49ers. Yes. I we haven't. We, every time we predict fights and like ejections, <laughs> we get close, not quite. Give me an actual one. Give yeah, me drama. I, I think the bad blood is legit. Obviously, the Niners very unhappy with the way that game uh, played out. Last uh, last season in the NFC Championship game, Brock Purdy gets knocked out. Josh Johnson comes in. Josh Johnson gets knocked out. Brock Purdy comes back in, but he can't throw the football. Uh, and it just turns into a blowout for the Eagles. So they've had this game circled on their calendar. Eagles also a prideful group. A lot at stake. Listen, if they lose this game, then all of a sudden you're going to Dallas next week. And if you lose that game... Uh, you have the same record as the Cowboys in the NFC East. And we're talking about tiebreakers in the last month of the season. Remember, Eagles yeah. or Cowboys, one of them have a chance to be the one or the two seed. And the other one's going to be the five. Like it is a big drop off uh, to get down there to the five seed versus potentially having a buy. So listen, it could be something pregame. I know you you hit us with the pregame thing in one of the previous shows, which I love. A little scuffle where all of a sudden... Oh, it's yeah. Like, Whoa, look at this. The game hasn't even started yet. And they're not letting Jake Elliott practice these fields or something. It could be something pregame. It could be something in game. It could be something, you know, Nick Sirianni related. I mean, that guy uh, at this point in the season, I don't know how many hours 
He slept. He's yelling at Chiefs fans a couple of weeks ago. That storyline, like like 31 fan bases, Nick Sirianni has just become the most annoying guy in the NFL. And Eagles fans couldn't be loving it anymore that he's uh, their coach right now. So maybe he gets uh, involved here. I don't know. But there's a lot of guys in this team on in this game who aren't going to back down. Like Hassan Reddick is talking some noise this week. Jalen Carter is looking for a fight with the way he plays A.J. Brown. Uh, you know, he's been a little quiet the last two weeks. If he's not getting the football, he's going to be taking his frustration out on someone. Trent Williams went after uh, an Eagles backup safety in that game last year. Debo Samuel, we know he's fired up. So these are you know, a lot of alphas, uh, you would say, on both on both of these teams. Uh, I think there will be an ejection. I think it'll be a big storyline. I think one of the fan bases will feel like they got wrong, whether it's, again, pregame, in-game, whatever. But it'll be, it'll be something we're talking about after this matchup. So there you go. Yeah. I, so you say pregame. I say postgame. Right, Ooh, I, I like this. I, whether it's whether it's like but you, you know, can't get ejected post game. Well, well, suspended. Uh, that's true. I was I was thinking okay. about just, just in terms of like the fights. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, uh, maybe it's like right, like the score is decided enough late that like you know you get frustration fouls from somebody, and then you know okay, there's three minutes left in the fourth quarter, and we're tossing Darius Slay because it doesn't matter, and the Niners are just stolen the game away, whatever. But I I feel like it with this game in Philadelphia, seriously, the Niners are losing. The Eagles fans will inform them, and that will frustrate that that team, right? Uh, we saw obviously Jordan Phillips of the Bills have a yeah, a, a tough day in Philadelphia, which a lot of that was on Phillips. Uh, but in general, losing in Philadelphia is a place where the the fan base makes sure you're aware of the fact that it's occurring, and that I think will frustrate a guy. Meanwhile, if the Niners end up winning, I can um, the way this Niners uh, uh, the Niners team acted after the NFC Championship game loss. I know they've had Eagles fans in their mentions for the last. 10 months, 11 months, just derailing them for complaining about the, the nature of the loss. They're going to be letting the Eagles fan base know. So that I believe very strongly that the crowd will be fomenting an environment <laughs> that will lead itself to some late game uh, uh, antics. If we don't even get the, pre- the pregame antics, I desperately need, uh, you know what I want so badly? I want to, who's, who's kicking? Is, the, is Robbie Gold still kicking for the Niners? He is, right? No. They, oh, no, no. Moody, yeah. Moody, Moody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. knew it wasn't Gold. I desperately need a Jake Moody's warming up from the 40 and Jalen Carter and Hassan Reddick just walk right through the warm up. That's what that's what I need. I need a, I need a star player decides to disrupt place kicker warm up as like the instigator. That's always my favorite one. That's what I, enjoy I need those. to start this yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. I like those as well. All right. What do you got? What's your nonsense prediction for the week? The team that signs Zach Ertz will win the Super Bowl. Ooh. Whoa. Wow. Okay. Exciting. So Zach Ertz, tight end for the Cardinals. Uh, it was released this week with the hopes of signing the contender, or signing with the contender. He's been banged up. Obviously had a, a major season ending injury last year, and he's missed some time this year. Uh, Trey McBride, who's a young tight end for the Cardinals, is uh, kind of become a favorite target of Kyler Murray, and they're using him a, a little bit more and want to prioritize youth. And okay, so Zach Ertz is going to have a big job on this uh, team. Ertz is getting long in the tooth. Uh, he'd like to participate on, on a Super Bowl contending team. Obviously, one win with the Eagles. Uh, go Birds. So, okay. We're going to release Zach Ertz. And if he gets through waivers, he wants to sign with a contender. That's the report. Jordan Schultz, Bleacher Report, says, hey, he might sign with the Ravens. Uh, Mark Andrews injury. Help out there. I like that. You don't need to take all of Isaiah Likely's snaps. to take a good portion. Uh, sign with the Eagles. For the vibes? Incredible. Ertz and Goddard back on the field together again? Love it. It's extremely cool. I would love to see it. It made me very happy. Is Ertz the same player he was? No. But even when Ertz wasn't the same player he was, he's still like a very good, like, leverage, sit down, smart tight end yeah. sort of a guy. Two other teams that I think 
also still makes sense potentially for the uh, uh, for the Zach Ertz signing. One is uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think you can say no to any targets. I don't think you say no to any pass catchers. I think Ertz and Kelsey on the field together is a lot of old tight end, but there's ways to make that work still. Like it's a reliable possession receiver. I don't think you say no to anybody who's a good set of hands. And then brought up the Eagles connection. There's also Doug Peterson connection. And Jacksonville Ooh. has been, yeah, Jacksonville's got Evan Ingram, who's a fun little like use him around and move him around tight end. But then besides that, they've been trying to like, get Luke Farrell. Like Luke Farrell plays a lot of snaps for them. And he's a blocker for them. And then Brenton Strange is their third round pick. They've been trying to get like kind of more second tight end stuff working. I don't think Farrell or Strange are nearly hitting the what they want to hit with their 12 personnel sets. Doug usually is really good out of 12. And they're not necessarily getting that from their second tight end. Wouldn't be surprised if the Jaguars are interested as well. So I'm just naming teams that could already win the Super Bowl. So might as well just say whoever Zach, whoever Zach Ertz joins, that's the team that's going to go the distance, man. It, 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 Zach Ertz is the golden goose. All right, get a Zach Ertz in your building. Uh, phil- philanthropic guy, lovely human, championship caliber. Just it is good juju for the Super Bowl run. It's a lucky charm. Just get him in your locker room. Zach Ertz is winning the Super Bowl. Get him on your team. Yeah, has, has, has played in big games. Uh, great teammate. Uh, it's interesting the familiarity with the offense aspect of that. I hadn't thought of the Jaguars. That that is one uh, that's pretty interesting to me. Just work the yep. middle of the field, third down, red zone. You know these plays. You know these calls. You know how we teach it. Uh, just come right yep. in uh, and catch a couple balls every week. They, so we'll yeah. see where he it goes. It would require Trent Bulky admitting that a player <laughs> he acquired is not necessarily good enough yet. Which yeah. is not a inherently Trent Balky thing to do. So I'm not holding my breath on the Jaguars. There you go. Uh, and of course, Eagles would be fun. Just him returning to the team where he played most of his career. All right, let's get to the good stuff. The locks of the week. I didn't explain. I figured you guys know the contest now. I mean, if you're, I can't imagine you're just joining. By the way, I meant to mention this. So like, appreciate everyone with the Spotify wrapped. I don't know about you. You know, I don't feel many things. I'm not, but that's that's a nice feeling. Like when you see all, wow, you guys have listened to a lot of the Ringer NFL show this year. Holy cow, we've been in your uh, AirPods or your car speakers or your uh, Bluetooth at home, uh, just yelling nonsense. That was the oldest way you could have possibly have done that. Why? You're in your. In your Bluetooth, you don't li- the the J I, the JBL flip. You don't use a JBL flip like in the bathroom or anything. A little Bluetooth speaker. Okay, you know so what I'm talking about, I I don't know what a, the JBL flip is. No, maybe that's old of me. But <laughs> in your Bluetooth, Bluetooth is the technology by which the connection is made. It's like yeah, in, yeah, your, yeah. <laughs> in your speakers. I'm just saying that's a very my dad way to describe. I'm trying to what listen you, to it on listen. the Bluetooth band. And I can't get it on the Bluetooth. Listen, uh, okay, uh, Cliff says, LOL, come on, Ben. So how about that? Listen, Cliff is a young man, and he's taking my side, uh, the old I guy's know, side. Yeah. I know, I know, you, I, Cliff. I, I, yes. I know what we're talking, okay. I know what the JBL flips are. I just know yeah. that, like, that's like the Beats pill. Like, I don't even think about that as the, oh, as right. the name Let's of it. Settle down, all right? No all right. free advert. We're not, we're not giving free advertising. Bleep yeah. all that out, okay? We love our advertisers. I know, right. I did it first. All right, anyway, what was there I saying? I, oh, thank you. If yes. you listen to the show, anyway. if, if you sent us your, hey, Barry Spotify Ben and Shield to cut into a thank you <laughs> message with like, wait a minute, let's argue semantics on something for a minute. No, I agree. As far as like the the cheap dopamine that actually feels good, like the seeing the Spotify rap stuff is incredible. It means a lot. So I appreciate it. If you have a screenshot like that, it meant, it meant a good deal. Thank you. I agree. Thank you everyone for listening. Keep them coming. All right, locks of the week. Again, I'm going first. I got to change the juju. I have got the Houston Texans. I'm riding this Texans team, baby. Minus three and a half 
at home against the Denver Broncos. You know what? It, it's moved all the way. Let me let me double check because it was plus 100, which I didn't love when I last mm-hmm. saw. Let's get that baby down to minus three, shall we? Shoot. Still nope. minus three and a half. You know what? I'm still taking it. I don't care. This Broncos formula is not sustainable. They can win in one way. It's a good story. It's a good coaching job. Nice job by them. If you're a Broncos fan, you should be enjoying it. But they're plus 13 on turnovers during this winning streak. If that doesn't happen for them, they're out of luck. They don't have other ways to win football games. Russell Wilson has thrown for 200 yards once in the last five games. 200. I didn't say 300. I said 200 yards once in the last five games. They are playing a very conservative, uh, you know, get some turnovers. Portland Sutton make a play. Russell Wilson using his legs last week. That's all well and good. But this Texans team is legit. They can throw the football on anybody. They throw for over 300 every week. They're getting healthier in the secondary. They're efficient. They're explosive. They can make mistakes. They can overcome those mistakes. They lost last week to Jacksonville. Uh, they're, they're, they're coming out here, um, you know, in a bounce back spot, trying to make the playoffs. I like the Texans here. And by the way, this game, keep an eye on all the ringer socials. We're going to have an NFL same game parlay. For this game, Benny Souls is going to cook up something. What do you think, Zolak? Texans minus three and a half over the Broncos. Yeah, I think CJ Stroud might be in there. Uh, uh, Broncos fans are very furious with me. I know this. My brother's a Broncos fan. He was texting me. Uh, I wrote about them in the column. I typed for them on the pod. Your defense is living off of taking the ball away. Your offense is living off of not turning the ball over. Eventually, the nightman cometh, right? The, the hammer drops. It's just very hard to live. They, right now, they, Shield, they're, they're generating about uh, plus 60 turnover expected points over the last five weeks the season leaders in turnovers expected points added over the last few years have been at 70 the dolphins have gotten in the past five or excuse me not the dolphins the broncos have gotten the last five weeks about as much value out of turnovers as the best team in the league does over the course of the season so it's not it's just that's very 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 hard to keep doing i think this broncos team is due for a little bit of a stinker due for a little bit of uh, to fall flat and then i think the texans are an extremely tough out in any given week, and they also know they have to win to stay tight in the AFC playoff race. So yeah, I think this is a good, good to a Texan spot. All right, what do you got? What's your first one? I have two that I really like, and then the third one I'm waffling. We'll start with Rams minus three and a half. Brought this up. I'm I'm loving the opportunity to fade Joe Flacco uh, in, in his first start. The Rams uh, the Rams are at home, only getting three and a half against the Browns. I I, I understand like okay defense, and then Flacco is not going to make the same mistakes. A I think there's a good chance Flacco makes a lot of mistakes. B, I think this Rams offense is is at a full power that is really quite impressive when they're there. And we just didn't see it a lot this season intermittently. Obviously, there's there's Cooper Cup health concerns and like kind of what percentage is he playing at. But in general, I think they have a great ability to pass the football with Stafford, with the play they've gotten out of Puka, with Tutu kind of emerging the player he is, and then with Kyron to run the ball. I think they're balanced on that side of the ball. Uh, offensively, I cannot imagine the Browns having enough uh, uh, of the play the playbook for Joe Flacco, enough of the 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 dynamic like playmaking ability of Joe Flacco to keep pace with the Rams if the Rams get this thing on a positive game script. So I'm expecting the Rams get out early, get a couple points, run a trick play or two, make sure you generate that 10-point lead, and then put the Browns in a spot where they just can't play the game that they want to play. You should be able to coast this thing pretty nicely. So Rams, again, in that playoff hunt, like I said, uh, minus three and a half is my first one. This week. Keep an eye on Miles Garrett in that game. When I wrote my column Wednesday night, uh, I actually took the Browns plus three and a half. Didn't feel great about it. I thought Miles Garrett was definitely going to play in this game. He has not practiced so far this week with that shoulder right. injury. If he plays, what does he look like? I just felt like, you know what? This could be kind of an ugly, low-scoring game 
Maybe it's mm-hmm. close, but uh, on paper, yeah. I, I pretty much agree with what you're saying there. I do like that no, uh, quite a bit. Yeah, no Denzel Ward as well. Thank you for reminding right. me uh, on, on the Browns defense. Uh, Jer- uh, J- Batonio's banged up. Browns are just not healthy right now. There you go. All right, my next one. I'm going to Sunday night. The Kansas City Chiefs minus six at oh? the Green Bay Packers. This was one that in the beginning of the week, oh? I said, uh, our uh, Packers? After, uh, our Packers. Listen, I'm still in on the Packers. You're going to lose this game, I think, but you're still going to make the playoffs. I think it's kind of gotten a little too far. I just think Steve Spagnuolo is such a hard defensive coordinator to prepare for, for a young, inexperienced team. And as we talked about, even when the Packers were rolling, they were still having young players making mistakes. Christian Watson running the wrong route. A.J. Dillon going the wrong way on the handoff. Like They're still making those mistakes and overcoming those. I think that's a lot harder uh, against a Chiefs defense that's really good, uh, against a defensive coordinator who's really tricky to prepare for. And then as we talked about earlier, I think this Chiefs offense may be figuring some things out. I've been hard on them all season long. think they cannot win, win big with these wide receivers. Well, they might have one guy emerging. They were very efficient last week. I don't trust this Packers defense. I think you like them more than I do. Uh, Certainly some of the individual talent is there, but as a whole, I do not trust them in a big spot. So I think this is a competitive game. I mean, it's minus six. It's not, you know, minus nine. This could be uh, a tie game in the fourth quarter. Chiefs score a touchdown and I get the cover. So I like Kansas City to go Green Bay, to go to Green Bay, win that game by a touchdown. We say, okay, pump the brakes a little bit on the Packers. Although I like the Packers. Packers are going to make the playoffs. They're just going to have a little bit of a hiccup here. So that, yeah, that Packers defense, right? Like, oh, how much do you like it? How much do you not like it? I like a Rashawn Gary and I don't like a Chiefs tackle situation, right? Like that to me, like the, uh, the particular matchup that the Packers bring defensively, where it's, the 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 pass rush that I think they're gonna be able to get and the way they're gonna be able to heat up Mahomes is such a big physical front. They're gonna be able to condense that pocket, and make Mahomes play a little bit of a uh, of an uncomfortable game, a pressured game. I think that's a a, a huge deal. The offense, right? You say a young offense against Steve Spagnolo. I remember a Jordan Love first career start COVID yeah, year looked that pretty game? good. Like, right <laughs> now, that was a that Spags defense wasn't as good as this one. I'll give you that. But I remember like there was there was. Jordan Love in that game, I, I had a few plays where I was like, hey, like that was. That yeah, was... but they did nothing in that game. They couldn't they, score. It was, yeah. like a, it was like a 13. What do you tell me? It was 13 10. They scored on like the last possession. They looked they terrible like, in that game. Like seven points, right? No, yeah, I they mean, had I mean, one drive. He made a couple plays yeah. on one drive. The rest of the game was. Now, that was a hard spot. He's coming in one game uh, on the road. That, that was a different player. So I'm not drawing uh, that comparison. But yeah, if we get that version, I'm feeling great right. about minus six here. I I I I remember watching the game being like Jordan Love's got a little something. I I like the film on that. Listen, game. that was COVID I, time. I'm, yeah, we I'm can't process remember. Process oriented, not results oriented. <laughs> uh, right, but loves 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 seeing the defense. But loves gotten a lot better since then. I did love for the play sheet this week. I like I he he is improving. Not just like okay, he's improving. That's good. He's improving the ways you'd really like to see a young passer improve. Where it's not like oh, like I was trying like all these crazy throws, and now that I'm a little bit older, like I I know which ones I can get get away with. He's very clearly trying to get his arms around the timing of the offense, the tempo of the offense, the structure of the offense, and succeeding, which is very sustainable. Uh, so I like I, I like love a lot. I like this Packers matchup a lot. I didn't pick this game. If I would, I would be on Packers plus six. Uh, to me, okay. this is one of the ones this week where I, I like the dog. So yeah, I was surprised. I I thought you and you and me were together all the way out on the extra point taking team of the year, but apparently you're not uh, fully buying it just yet. Listen, I'll still put the Chiefs head on. Uh, if they win, I'll take my lumps. I just like the Chiefs. In this spot. All right. What do you have for your second game? Second one is Lions minus four and a half uh, on the road against the Saints. 
Fade of the Saints last week. Loved it. Go Birds. Uh, it's Falcons fun to sure. fade. It's very fun to fade the Saints, I will say. Yeah. I mean, that it's is not a team you want to be like, have yeah. something invested in this version of the Saints. Yeah, it's uh, ugly stuff. Now, uh, when I faded the Saints last week, I said, hey, like, you know, no Marshawn Lattimore, no Michael Thomas. Like, this team is just in a, a really tough spot. Well, lo and behold, uh, Rashid Shahid probably out for this game, did not practice. Chris Olave hoping to practice coming through concussion protocol. He was limited. The Alave thing is a little bit of a question mark, but again, they're continuing to deal with injuries. The 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 Saints are just the absolute worst time of the season. Is there, a, is there an injury update on Missing Shield? Uh, I was just looking at Cam Jordan also has not practiced yeah. Wednesday and Thursday with an ankle injury. So now, yeah, we're we're talking about like their you know two their two best defensive players potentially out for this game. Yeah, and so you're at a spot where the Saints just continue to get banged up, banged up, banged up, banged up. Lions, embarrassing loss to the Packers at home. On, th- on Thanksgiving, man, what happened? Like, where did that come from? Like, a little bit of a sobering loss. You expect this team coming off of a long week up against a beatable Saints opponent. This is a conference win, right? So it's an important win for the Lions to come back and say, okay, listen, that was bad. Like, that we shouldn't have lost the Packers. That was dumb. We're still very much in control of this division. The Vikings are losing. We are okay. Let's go back to doing what we do well, right? Let's go back to, to we're, we're, we are a good team and we know that we're a good team. And so I think that the Lions are going to come out with a pretty spirited effort in this one. I also like uh, uh, defensively the way that the Lions are going to be able to match up against the Saints. Aaron Glenn, remember, where I spent, uh, came from New Orleans. Spent a lot of time watching a Pete Carmichael mm. offense, right? He kind of knows Good the ends. And, yeah, knows the outs. Now, obviously, like Dan Campbell came from New Orleans and Dennis Allen kind of knows how that offense goes. There's a lot of mirror match stuff going on. But I do think that Glenn's familiarity with, with this offense hel- is helpful because, you know, this offense is a lot of like traditional dropback stuff. And then common concepts and you can kind of key your guys in pretty successfully get tight to routes take that stuff away the lines weak in the secondary li- liable in the past game bad over the middle of the field but who the saints don't have the guys to do it they don't have the players that you usually need to get that done because of the injuries they've had uh at receiver and so to me this is a, a nice lions bounce back spot in the long week minus four and a half uh it's not one of my games but i th- this was like you know, on the short list as I'm preparing for the show and have like six th- th- this was on my list lines minus four and a half yeah i still I believe in that offense, uh, especially against the banged up Saints defense, against Dennis Allen, against Derek Carr. Derek Carr's getting frustrated, all these questions about uh, the red zone performance he's had with you. Just the, listen, the vibes are not good with that Saints team, nor should they be good. They're, they're, they built a team to win eight or nine games. They're probably going to win around that many games. There's going to be ups and downs. It's never going to be uh, that fun to watch them here. The rest of the way, they've got injuries, and so I like the Lions to bounce back in that spot. Although, yeah, I, I'm officially nervous about that defense. So I don't know if the Saints, like you mentioned, have the guys this week to put them in a blender. But uh, yeah. man, since week six or seven, that has that defense has really struggled. So we'll see if they can bounce back here. All right, my last one. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one on any podcast in America to be take where they pick sides and they pick three games to pick this team and this side. But you know what? You got to change it up when you're struggling. Carolina Panthers plus five and a half. No, I did look at that, though. I don't have the guts to take the Carolina Panthers. I did pick them in my column. Maybe get the new coach bump. I've got the Washington Commanders plus nine and a half at home against the Miami Dolphins. Washington coming off a blowout loss. Offensively, listen, I think they're generally competent and can move 
the football, I know it doesn't all, it didn't look that way. I, overall, they're, they're mediocre. They're around 20th in offensive DVOA. They pass the ball on every down. They've got issues up front. But this Miami Dolphins team, we talked about it last week. They lose Jalen Phillips for the season. Javon Holland has not practiced this week. Now you're talking about two of their best defensive players potentially out for this game. I think Washington's going to be able to move the football enough to stay in this game. Now, other side of the ball, oh baby, I'm nervous. This could be 40 to nothing uh, at halftime because the Dolphins offense against maybe the worst defense in the NFL, certainly a bottom five defense, but you know what? We're doing a little little Matt Canada theory here. So like, you got rid of Jack Del Rio. You get the one game bump with the new defense with Ron Rivera. I know he was already, you know, working with the defense. He He's calling the defense for this game. So even if it's 30 to 14 in the fourth quarter, Sam Howell, you can get me a little backdoor cover, put together uh, a nice drive, 30 to 21. Washington, I think after that blowout loss, no one's going to be picking them. I like to be on the side. No one's picking. Uh, I've got the commanders covering plus nine and a half at home against Miami. You look disgusted. Uh, I I think Miami <laughs> might score 70 again, if we're being honest. Might. Yeah. Uh, wide 70, receiver, 61? Yeah. All right, get the cover. Get the cover. (laughs) The first prop that I looked at was uh, Sam Howell passing overs. His buddy, they're about to drop. They're gonna drop back all. (laughs) Gonna be in a hole for most of the game. Yeah, something like that. Over under thirty nine and a half pass attempts is the official number for Howell with the number with the number of sacks that he takes too in the scrimmage. Like that's a lot of dropbacks. yeah, I, I, I'm looking for the spot to buy a little bit low in the Dolphins over the next couple of weeks, just so they get healthier along the offensive line, which has been such a huge issue for them. Uh, Robert Hunt, who was dressed but didn't play last week, looks likely to dress but play this week. That's back to their starting right guard. Hopefully that's going to help, I think, uh, level this defense, or level this offensive performance out a little bit more, run the ball a little better. Devon A. Shane limited. They probably won't be fast with him. But in general, I think they're going to be going to get healthy at the right time. I thought about them this week. I decided to pass against it. Though I wouldn't be surprised if they dumped thirty on the Commanders. Yeah, it uh, that w- that would not be a shock. I just need the Commanders to score twenty one. All right, what do you have for your last one? I'm waffling, Shield. Okay, I. What do you got? Get talk to me. What, what yeah. are we looking at? I've looked at Cardinals plus five and a half on the road against the Steelers. Uh, I picked I think Cardinals that, in my column. Yes. Yeah, the Steelers are, have won seven games this year, and they've not won a game by more than seven points. And so, plus five and a half is just. <laughs> A lot for a team like you're just getting most of the winning roles in there. Like it, 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 uh, it feels good. Titans plus one and a half. You know, Colts, Colts been surviving on a lot of you know cheeky plays and and good late game performance, but no Jonathan Taylor. Titans are at home. We're getting to that point of the season where the Titans just start ruining other teams' seasons, and this feels like it's like you know divisional spot is good. Falcons minus one and a half. I've, I've, I've personally, I've looked at. I, you have uh, to take that. I was going to bring this up. This is, I feel, is there a bet between you and your mom for this game? For long, long if you're a new listener, you don't know. Solek's mom is a Jets fan. She gets upset when he rips the Jets constantly uh, on this podcast. If, if you, you have to pick the Falcons and then if they lose to Tim Boyle, like if there's something your mom is always like telling you, you should do this, you should do it, and you don't do it. Like for me, if I lost this bet to my mom, I would have to eat like, you know, 10 almonds a day because my mom would eat almonds. It'll make your memory better. This is my mom thing. What do you want from me? Is there something she, because you need to have some bet with your mom on this game. You need to pick this game for content. Take the Falcons. They're facing Tim Boyle. If they lose to Tim Boyle, you gotta do that that would be my opinion as team content here all right well she will listen to this show on her drive back from work today and then she will hit me up 
and let me know what we should wager. It'll probably be after the caller and talk to her or something. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Everybody wins. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Falcons minus one and a half. The problem is, <laughs> here's the problem, is last week I did like Falcons love slash fade the Saints and I did, uh, 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 you know, I took the Rams alternate line against the Cardinals. This week I'm just doing that. I'm, I'm I'm taking the Rams again. I'm fading the Saints again. I'm taking the Falcons again. I feel like it's unoriginal is my problem. But I guess you, you went know, seven and zero last I swept week. Last what do you week, mean? So yeah. Don't fix what ain't broke. All right, I'll take Falcons minus one and a half. Uh, Tim Boyle. There's my whole logic. Thank you for listening, Ben and Shield podcast. Now the uh, uh, the Jets offense is abysmal. The Falcons defense is legitimate. I think the Falcons are be able to control game script in this one. Uh, and then they've found a a. Their best balance so far this year of the Bijan Robinson into Tyler Algier usage, where Bijan gets a lot of those early down touches, those early game touches. They get him activated with some schemed up stuff. They continue to Desmond Ritter and Bijan Robinson cannot get on the same page in the passing game. Again, in this game, they had multiple reps where there was an incomplete pass because Bijan stopped the route that Ritter thought he should keep running. The pick they threw in the in the in the red zone at the end of the first half was uh, Bijan running into a route and Desmond throwing it too fast into him and it hit him in the hands and it gets intercepted. And like they, they, those two just cannot figure it out in the passing game, which is very frustrating. But get Bijan working in the running game and then they use Algier late, right? And they take Algier and they kind of use him as a hammer to salt games away and they've had a lot of success doing that. This offensive line is also playing, I think it's best ball of the season. They were a little underwhelming to me to start. They've really settled in and been the unit I expected them to be. So I think they can hang against this Jets defensive line. I'll take Falcons minus one and a half for the content. For the content, I I like I don't you know I don't want to choose to be insufferable, but if they lose to Tim Boyle, I mean, well, I, this this is probably going to be my lead take on Monday night, uh, you know, after Monday night football on our next show, I'm not going to be able to help myself if they lose to Tim Boyle. This, I mean, right. yes, if you're going to win the division, this is a game you've got to win. Fifty two percent chance to make the playoffs right now. If they beat the Jets, sixty four percent chance to make the playoffs. According to go. New York Times, yeah, if, uh, if oh if they win, you're going to bring it up. Listen. I have my Falcons. I, I have Falcons <laughs> and Texans, and I'm just waiting for the right moment to cash my receipts. Listen, I yeah, I'm with you on the uh, on the Texans. You were early on the Texans. I, I joined you. You were early on the Falcons. I'm not with you. We'll see. You will be happens. with me, I, well, willingly will or not. unwillingly, by wild card preview <laughs> pod. You will have to be with me. <laughs> Uh, that's to be determined. Even if they officially win the division, I still will not be with you. I will still say it was the wrong side. All right, recapping my picks for this week again. Uh, we get one point for prop of the week. We get one point for each of the locks of the week. And then the long shot, which has to be plus 150 or better, that is worth three points. You have a total of seven points you can get every week. I've got CJ Stroud over 261 and a half passing yards. For my long shot, I've got George Kittle, 60-plus receiving yards, and the Jaguars, plus 14-and-a-half on Monday night against the Bengals. I've got uh, my locks, Texans, minus 3-and-a-half at home against Denver, Chiefs, minus 6 on the road at Green Bay, and the Washington Commanders, plus 9-and-a-half at home against the Miami Dolphins. So, like, what do you got? Yeah, locks of the week. I have the Rams, minus 3-and-a-half, Lions, minus 4-and-a-half, Falcons, minus 1-and-a-half. It is the day of small favorites. For my long shot of the week, uh, Christian McCaffrey to have at least six receptions, plus 154. And for my prop of the week, Ramondre Stevenson over 20 and a half receiving yards uh, against the Chargers. There you go. All right, everybody, enjoy the games this weekend. Thank you to Cliff Augustine for producing. Thank you to Eduardo Ocampo for his video production. Additional production supervision by Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal. Next up, Nora and Steven on dual threat Sunday night, recapping all the week 13 games. So be sure to check that out. 
Thanks to everyone for listening. Have a great weekend. We will talk to you Monday night on Extra Point Day. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.